Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org forward slash resources. I want to start by asking a question. How many here, by a show of hands, want to live eternal life with Christ? Make sure every hand is up here. Okay? So everybody wants to live eternal life with Christ. Amen? What a great question. It says, um, in fact, turn with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. In Luke 10, a religious lawyer actually came to Jesus and asked the question about it. He thought he knew. (laughs) So Luke chapter 10, let's begin in verse 25. Everybody there? Luke 10, we'll look at verse 25. One day, an expert in the religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? That's New Living Translation. King James says this, and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, master, what shall I do? The emphasis is on do. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus responded and said to him, well, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? I love it. He throws it right back on the lawyer, right? Throws it right back. And the man answers, and he quotes really out of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, and Leviticus 19, 18. It is a familiar scripture. It says, the man answered, you must, emphasis on must, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. King James says, he answered and said, thou shalt, not when you get around to it if you like it, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. Jesus said, right, you are correct. Do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, who's my neighbor? I'm not going to read the Good Samaritan parable, but we know it was not what the lawyer thought he would answer, right? He goes on, he says, basically, this Samaritan who was actually looked down upon in their racial, you talk about racism, they were, the Jews were racist against the Samaritans who were Gentiles who were half Jewish and half Gentile. They didn't even, they actually avoided even the territory. They would not walk through the territory. So Jesus picks this one. He says, okay, so the people that you're racist against, you're not allowed to eat in their house. You don't even walk through their land. That guy gets to a place where someone was injured, and the Samaritan is the one who comes to the rescue. So I want to ask the question. You said you wanted to be born again and have eternal life with Christ. If we think about this journey up the mountain, in Psalm 24, we've looked at this before, Psalm 24 and verse 3 and 4 says, 
Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can climb the hill of the Lord? What's the answer to that? Clean hands and pure heart. So there's the, it deals with two things. One is the inward side, the heart, the purity of heart, and then the purity of your hands, the things that you do physically. So there's a spiritual and a physical connection about those who can climb the hill of the Lord. Well, the Lord knew that it was going to be difficult to love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. How are you doing with that? I tell you, I got r- really convicted. Um, in fact, John Bevere dealt with this on Wednesday in his teaching on Undercover. You may be familiar with the parable. Remember the parable where he, in the, it says the father, he uses this example. Jesus tells this story. He says, I want you to go out and I want you to invite people to the great feast that my father's having. So the father sends the invitations out through the son. So the son goes out and says, come to the father's the great feast, the festival, the banquet. Well, the first one says, um, I just bought a piece of land and I can't come. I'm sorry. Now, is there anything sinful about buying a piece of land? No. He goes to the next one. He goes, well, I just bought some oxen and I need to try them out. Is there anything wrong with buying equipment for your business? Not sinful, right? But the other one says, well, I just got a new wife. Anything sinful about a new wife? No. He says, They can't come. They've all made an excuse as to why they can't come to the invitation by the Father. He says, well, then go out and invite all those, the prostitutes, those who are lost, bring them. These that made the excuse will not get one taste of my banquet, not one taste. I don't know about you, that, it's like, so wait a minute. They were the first invites to to the banquet. But they made excuses. They got tied up with other things, the cares of the sun. Remember the scripture about the, the season, uh, the, the soils, where it says the, they don't have a strong root system that goes down, and when the trials and tribulations come, they don't, they're not able to stand. Or the cares of this life, the worries and the cares, all the goodies that are out there, draw them away. And so, you want to have eternal life? What must I do to have eternal life? Love God with all your heart, with everything in your mind, your soul, your mind, and your will, and all your emotions, and then every bit of your strength. That'll convict you, right? Then he goes on, he warns us in, in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, if I do all the stuff give my body to be burned, if I give all my wealth, if I give everything, and I have not love, it counts for nothing. So I have to love God with all my heart, with all my, and then I can do all these things, and if I think the religious doing is going to be the answer for eternal life, it is not. So we're a really miserable people without Jesus. <laughs> we know that, right? So what's the answer? God you wouldn't put that burden on us. It says the way is narrow and few ever find it. 
Wide is the road to destruction. And I believe that there are many sitting in even our churches today, because this is, this is words to the believers. This is not the pagans, right? the unbelievers. Sitting in our churches, it's okay. I'm okay. We've kind of dumbed down salvation, if I can use that word, to if I say a salvation prayer and invite Jesus in, I'm good. I've got my insurance policy and I'm all done. Now, this may sound a little strange. That's not sufficient. Now, it's, I understand it's grace, right? Paul tells us in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says, For by grace have you been saved through faith. It's not of your works. It's by that grace, right? Lest anyone should boast about it. You can't brag about it, right? But then we have the other side of the Scripture, Jesus' half-brother James. He says, You show me your faith by what you do. Faith without works is dead. So it's like, okay, wait, it's grace. <laughs> Thank you for that, Lord. It's not what I do, 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 and work for salvation. But if I don't have anything to show for my doing, then it's just a lot of hot air that you're talking about your faith with. This whole idea today that we can go out and get drunk, look at porn, smoke dope, and do whatever, that is no different than what Jesus warned. Remember, if, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5 for me. You're looking at me like, what are you saying, Pastor? Turn with me to Ephesians 5. Paul tells the church that was in revival. This is probably the most revived church in the New Testament, Ephesus. And he says, let me just start by, well, let's just cherry pick everything out of this chapter. I love it so much. I'm it's titled, Living in the Light. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, imitate God. King James says, be followers of God, dear children. So he's speaking to the church. He's speaking to the body of believers, all of us who raised our hand, right? Because you're his children, live a life filled with love. There we go again. Following the example that he offered himself as a sacrifice, and it was a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, greed. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes, they're not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that you can be sure, you can be absolutely sure that no immoral, impure, greedy person will inherit the kingdom of God. For a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Don't you be fooled by these who try to excuse, here's the excuses, these sins. For the anger of God will fall on those who disobey Him. Don't you participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but you are now in the light of the Lord. So live as people in the light. This light within you produces only what is good, and it's right, and it's true. Carefully, carefully, verse 10, determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil darkness. Instead, expose them. Skip down to verse 15. So be careful how you live. Don't you live like fools 
And be like those, but be like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't you be drunk with wine, because it will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That word there, be filled, actually in the Greek means be being filled. It is a constant, continuous process, right? Be ye being filled with the Holy Spirit. Sing songs, hymns, spiritual songs among yourselves. Make music to the Lord in your hearts. Give thanks for everything he's done. I want to focus on, I don't know why I'm hammered on this, but I'm just going there because I got so many people that are justifying to me I can smoke a little dope. And it's really okay because I need, it's even medical marijuana. It's legal now and all that stuff. Look, I am not a medical doctor, but now we've got how many states that have legalized it. Is that any different in the day that Jesus said, when I just go and take a little toke and get a little high? He says, be not drunk with wine. Well, pastor, I need it. I need it for peace. You know, you need the Prince of Peace, right? Anything, I said this during our prayer time, anything that substitutes the Prince of Peace that you look for for peace is idolatry. And I just read to you, anyone who is in a form of idolatry shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I realize I don't know how the scales tip. Lord, I'm, I'm not perfect. I know that. But God, and the blood of Jesus has washed me. And so there's grace for all of my sin. Praise God. But then there's this works part of it. And we excuse and justify. We can't do that. We cannot do that. It's this, and I don't care what society's telling you at this point. It's really about the dollars. When you look at what they're doing, look at Colorado. I got a granddaughter living there. It's all about the money coming in. There's a reason they call tobacco and alcohol and marijuana tax the sin tax. There's a reason they call it that. Amen? Okay. I got on off a tangent, but it's, it's for some of us here, right? This idea, yes, I want to I be in eternal life forever with Jesus. You need to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and spirit and your strength. Okay, turn with me to the outline, hallelujah. Okay, so now here's the good news. That was kind of like, you know, now, now let me put a little bandage on this thing, right? Okay, because I'm speaking to somebody. I know that those listening by whatever's being said, I, I bless you in Jesus' name. <laughs> okay, so now the Lord said, you need to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and spirit. And that's a really hard thing to do. So what did he do? What was his provision for us to be able to do that? It's the God, the Holy Spirit. There is no way that we can walk this out in the strength of our own flesh. We all battle. I don't care what it is, right? And when we do breaking free, you, you need to know what your enemy is. The flesh is part of your enemy. You can't cast out your flesh. You have to bring it into subjection. But with also demons, you got to cast them out. Either way, the battle is there. So now, let's look at, let me ask another question. How real and how relevant is the Holy Spirit in your life today? How real and how relevant is God the Holy Spirit in your life and my life today, right now? 
Oh, is it nice theory? Oh, yeah, yeah. Or is he marking every one of our steps as we proceed? There's a reason, and I, I call this out. Let's turn with me, if you will. Uh, turn to John chapter 16. In John chapter 16, Jesus outlines throughout both chapter 14, 15, and 16 some of the most amazing revelation about the Holy Spirit and what His role will be. How real and how relevant. Another way to say that would be, how is your relationship with God the Holy Spirit in your life? Is He impacting the direction and the decisions that you and I make? You'll know them by their fruit. You can see it. And so John 16, Jesus tells them He's about ready to go to the cross. Let's pick up in verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak His own, but will tell you what, I, what He has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever He receives from me. Now go up to verse 1. Jesus says this, I've told you these things so that you will not abandon your faith. That's important because they're about ready to all get tested, right? I don't know about you, but I heard some stories today at the, at the uh, newcomer's class about people who've been tested. And one of the things I said to them in their life is, you're still here. Walking in faith, there's, there's some battles that some people walk away. It's too hard. I don't want to do it. And they'll just abandon. I've, I've seen people that I thought were so strong in the Lord just abandon their faith. I've told you these things so you will not abandon your faith. You're going to be expelled from synagogues. They're going to kill you. They're going to think they're doing God's service, and they're not, right? Sounds like today we got Christians being killed by ISIS and being beheaded for their faith, and they think they're doing it in the name of God, and they're not. The work of the Holy Spirit, verse 5, I'm going to go away, but the one who sent me not the one you're asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve now because I've told you that I'm going away. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate, now I've, I've, isolated, I've kind of isolated that in the handout there. The advocate there, different translations call him the comforter, the teacher, the one called alongside. He's the counselor. He advocates for you. He is your supporter. Uh, it's a legal term. It's good that I go away because then if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I go away, I will send him to you, and when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father, and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. There's so much more I want to tell you about this, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will speak and guide you into the truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he's heard. So when you look at the top of that outline, the spirit of truth has come and will guide you into all truth. Now, turn back to John 14 and 
just look at the top there. I've bolded it out that Jesus said these words out of John 14, 15 through 17, and then verse 26. Jesus said, if, now you might want to circle if on your outline. If you love me, circle obey, obey my commandments. And I, you might want to circle I will, (laughs) ask the Father, who? He's going to ask his dad, and he will give you, you might want to circle give you, another advocate, a comforter, a counselor, an encourager, who will never leave you. He is, I want you to see that he's a he, it's not an it, it's not some spirit, it's not a she, okay? He is the Holy Spirit who leads you in all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and it doesn't recognize him. But you know him. He's speaking to his disciples because he lives with you now and later will be in you. He's speaking of the baptism. Jesus was with them right now, and the Holy Spirit was indwelt him. Remember this, the whole triune God. At Jesus' baptism, the Father spoke, the Holy Spirit descended, the Son was empowered. So you got the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the Trinity. But Jesus is, he's with you now, but soon he's going to be in you. Why is that so important? Because there is not enough emphasis today, I don't believe, in the churches about the work and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And without the Holy Spirit, we can't do this thing. And then we think we're okay, destined to eternal life because I believe. Well, guess what? The devil believes. So what are you doing to love him with all that you are? You can't do it without the presence of the Holy Ghost. Right? I know there's grace, but there's something about that presence that we seek. And then he told us over and over again. Look at, let's look at John 14. Well, let's turn to John 15 for a minute. Look at verse 26. In verse 26, I will send the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify of me. And you must also testify about me because I have been with, you have been with me from the beginning. So he tells us in John 16. He tells them even before that in John 15. And then he tells us in John 14. Look at John 14. I mean, this scripture, you ought to study this scripture John 14 is, it's multiple, multiple times. He tells us four times in nine verses of John 14, if you obey me, if you love me, if you'll do what I say. So this whole idea, I'm going to say the Romans prayer and I'm done, I'm good. Yes, that's an open door, but there has to be validation of the walk of truth. And you cannot do it until you're baptized in the Holy Ghost. Unless you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, I don't think there's any hope for us. Now, I've had this argument, you know, I I won't call out, I've been in 12 churches (laughs) growing up and all the places and where I got saved. And I hadn't even heard about a Holy Spirit, of any work of the Holy Spirit in many of those churches. I'm not trying to be critical, but there's this place where my life didn't actually change until I was baptized in the Holy Spirit with fire. So now let's lay a a ground foundation on what is this about the Holy Spirit and His work. All right, turn with me to Luke 24, 49. So turn back from John to Luke 24 in verse 49. I don't have this, yeah, I have it listed there, number one. So number one on your outline, 
God the Holy Spirit's been sent. Well, he promises the disciples here in Luke 24 and verse 49. Now, this is, this is, it's nice music playing. Jesus appears to his disciples after the resurrection. So in Walk to Emmaus, that's that whole chapter, he appears to his disciples and he says this. Once he brings that, I'm alive, here I am, right? He says in verse 49, chapter 24 of Luke, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised, but you stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Now, I don't know about you, they just crucified Jesus. The disciples had denied him. They all ran away, right? They're hiding out, and they're like, stay here in the city. Well, I'd rather go out there in the hillside. Can't we get them out there? (laughs) There's something about the fulfillment of the power that comes into the city of Zion. The the pouring out, and we know in Acts chapter 2, the outpouring of Pentecost, he came, right? There was a big prayer meeting. They all started, but there were only a few in the upper room, 120 in the upper room. Where's everybody else? Well, they got tired. Remember, he, he appeared for 40 days after the resurrection to show himself to all. Can you imagine after the resurrection, he shows up, walks through the walls, says, hey, Thomas, remember you doubted me? And oh, he's crying, oh, my God, you know, my God, my God. He says, blessed are you, Thomas. You haven't, those who don't even see me are more blessed than you. You had to see me. So he appears to them, and he says, don't leave until the Father sends you the gift. But only 120 stuck it out. It's hard to go to a prayer meeting for 40 days probably with no Holy Ghost. <laughs> Just saying. Um, something about those who persevere. The, we started the service this morning with persistence. Nicole oh, said, you need to be persistent with the Lord. There's something about persistent believers. All right. When you look at number two, the Father's gift was promised. Look at Acts chapter 1. So let's now turn to the right and look at Acts chapter 1. Jesus has shown himself for 40 days after his resurrection to over 500 eyewitnesses to all of the apostles. They realize he's alive. He shared with them the things of the kingdom. In verse 3 it says, during the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive and he talked with them about the kingdom of God. Now, what is the kingdom of God? There's a definition, right? It's in Romans 14, verse 17, I believe. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. He spoke to them about righteousness, peace, and the joy of the Lord in the Holy Ghost. In many ways, he validated that to them, that he was alive. Then he goes and he gives them a command. Don't leave. Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized you with water. In a few days, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they're probably going, I wonder what that is. What does that look like? You know, it didn't, there's nowhere in Scripture describes what the, except that it's going to be fire. He goes down, he says in, in verse 8, you will receive power, so there's going to be power behind it. Why? Because you can't love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength without the power of God in your life. You cannot do it. I've tried. <laughs> okay? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and then you'll be my witnesses. And then he was taken up. 
So the last thing he tells the boys and the gang, I'm leaving. You stay here until you get the power that's coming. And then that's the last thing. And they're like, well, are you going? <laughs> and the angels show up and says, so why are you staring up there, old man of Galilee? He's going to come back the same way. And I'm sure they're, they're probably going back to the, back to the ranch like, We've got to stay here, right, Peter? We've got, we got to stay in Jerusalem. We've got to hide out in Jerusalem. So they find themselves in the upper room. I've been there. We sang hallelujah in that place. Woo Talk about the presence of God, right? David, King David is buried, and the bones are in just below there in the tomb. It's a, it's a powerful place in the city of David, Zion's Hill. And so there's this power that's going to come upon you. Well, they get filled in Acts chapter 2. You know the story. Tongues of fire descend, and these fishermen and these tax collectors and these people that have been now converted, all of a sudden, fire on their heads, and they're speaking the gospel, and people think they're drunk. There's all sorts of accusations and religious spirits running out. It's so loud. It's so unbelievable. They come running out, and it's, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. So can you imagine what's going on at 9 in the morning in Jerusalem? Some of the guys are probably hung over from the night before. Right? And they come running out. What is all this stuff? And then the mockers come out and they're drunk. What are these people doing? And the tongues of fire are on their heads. And they're hearing the gospel in their own language. And they're saying, What is this? Then in Acts chapter 4, after the miraculous healing at Gate Beautiful, a person crippled for 40 years, and they're accused, they say, You need to shut your mouth about this Jesus. And the apostles stand up and says, you're going to warn us to shut our... Now they're bold. We will not be quiet. And then he says in verse 29 of Acts 4, And now, O Lord, hear their threats. Give your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. Many miraculous signs and wonders will be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting shook. The ground shook, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They preached the word with boldness. Something happens when you're bold. These are the same guys that had already been baptized in Acts chapter 2. And now it comes, and they're baptized the second. Well, I got baptized back in Ot 6, and that's good for me. Oh, no, it's not. Multiple baptisms. Pastor, is that biblical? Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 6. This idea we get it once and we're done. We're good. Oh, no, sir. No, ma'am. Are you there? Hebrews chapter 6. One of my favorite chapters in chapter 5 is this. You're a bunch of milk drinkers. I wish you'd eat some meat. You guys need to grow up and stop. You need to be teaching others at this. Right? He goes, that's a, that's a Pastor Willie sermon. <laughs> right? He shared this morning with the new, newcomers. He goes, I kind of have to apologize. I said, you don't need to apologize. Okay. Then he goes on in chapter 6, verse 1. Let's stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let's go on instead, become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repentance from evil deeds, placing our faith in God. You don't need further instructions about baptisms, plural. King James, you look at any translates, plural. Well, did they translate it wrong? No, there's the baptisms. There's a water baptism. There's a fire baptism. There's a baptism of salvation. 
There are baptisms. We don't need to go over the basics of this again. How about the laying on of hands and the resurrection from the dead, eternal judgment. And so God willing, we will move further into our understanding. And it's impossible to bring back to repentance those who once were enlightened and experienced the good things of heaven, shared the Holy Spirit, tasted the goodness of the Word of God and power, and then turn away from God. That ought to put the fear of God in us. I've had people come and say, Pastor, you think I, I lost it? I said, the very fact that you're here in repentance, no. But be careful. You can have your conscience seared. And I've, I've had them come and say they want to come back, but they can't. They don't know how. They get so wrapped up in their, their addictions and lostness that they completely can't hear God anymore. Be careful. There's a warning here. All right. Back to this. So baptism in the Holy Spirit. I want you to see this. Turn with me to Acts, uh, well, let's go here. Look at Luke 11 first. In Luke 11, there's a process in this. We know that the Father sends the Spirit, but Jesus tells us through Luke that you need to ask the Father. Are you there in Luke 11? Look at verse this, this, whole, this whole chapter is about prayer. In fact, the, the Lord's Prayer is here. Uh, he teaches about keep knocking, keep asking. And look at that verse, persistence. That's been the word that just jumped off the page to me. When, when Nicole opened the service this morning about she heard persistence, mom has been hearing this word, be intentional. Look at verse 8, Luke eleven eight. I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, you will get up and he will give you whatever you need because your shameless persistence, that's that knocking and keep asking, keep asking, right? Verse 9, keep asking, keep knocking. Everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks finds. The door will be opened. And then it's like he almost changes the, the, the message here. He says, you keep asking, you keep seeking, you want this, you want this, you want this. He says, let me tell you what you really want, the greatest gift you got to have the greatest gift. And you only get it by asking the Father. And you need to be persistent in it. In fact, it says, you fathers who your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Of course not. If they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So, if you sinful people know how to give a good gift to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? If you've never sat and asked the Father in persistence, I have an outline here of all these amazing men and women of faith, great healing revivalists, Wigglesworth, John G. Lake, Maria, Mariah Woodworth Etter, John Alexander Dowie, all these, William Brennan, some of them tarried praying for days, weeks, years for the presence of the Holy Spirit. But I believe since the early 1900s, that breakthrough that we're now starting to see in healing anointings and in deliverance anointing, these are the forerunners who pressed in for the, for the kingdom to come in that area. And now it's, it's easier, I believe, to those who are hungry to receive the Holy Spirit. He's doing the same now in the healing anointings and deliverance anointing. Those who have run before us, the Derek Princes, right? Those are the ones that have gone and they've laid a foundation and the Holy Spirit has brought that impartation. But there's a hunger and a seeking. Let me read this to you. The Greek word be filled in the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 5.18, we read it, should be translated be being filled. Constantly seeking so that you become more and more full 
of the Holy Spirit. Some, some people believe Christians only receive one infilling. They may be sincere, but they're sincerely wrong. This article is about men and women of God who were not satisfied with their token grace in their presence. They were hungry for more in desperation for greater and greater depths in God. They smashed every barrier, overthrew every obstacle. The great presence of the Holy Spirit was their pursuit. It was more of Jesus. It was a pathway few had ever traveled. But they were endued with power from on high. Where the power was, the glory of the apostolic days was restored. And if you read the testimonies, there's a book called God's Generals. I encourage you to read that. You'll come like, whoa, when you see the miraculous things that came from that. But it was, again, he ends this article in Jeremiah 29, right? I know the things, the plans I have for you, good plans, not to harm you. When you search and seek for me with your whole heart, you'll find me. Search and seek for me with your whole heart you will find me. That sounds like love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, and soul. This, this little, yeah, I got a little bit of Jesus. I dabbed in the river. That's good. I'm good. No. He says, jump in. Get to that place, right? Ezekiel 47 says the river. That's our ba basis of our church. The river, there are those that will stand in their ankles, say, I'm good. And it says, the angel says, come on out. Ezekiel 47, come on a little deeper. And he come out and now they're at their knee level and says, I'm good. No, I invite you. I invite you to come more. And Ezekiel comes out even further. It's up here. And he goes, he's still in, char he's still in charge, right? Come on out a little deeper. Gets to here. Well, it's still a little, I got my footing. I'm still okay. Then he says, no, come on. You get over your head, and then the river takes you where the river wants you to go. You no longer dictate to the river where you think you ought to go, right? So there's this place where he's saying, I'm, I'm making an invitation. And I believe much of what this Franklin Graham thing is about, will you come and allow the river? Will you help carry the river? We had a wonderful prayer meeting over at the Pine Valley Methodist Church on Monday night last week. Amazing. In the middle of a thunderstorm, tornadoes, it was like, we're not being deterred. I'm driving my mom. Like, we got a storm coming. I said, we're going to be fine. We're going to that prayer meeting, right? And so... And there it was just an amazing impartation and encouragement. That's why tomorrow night, I'm just excited. I really am. Bring that anointing, Lord. Let those evangelists come here and fill this house, right? Teach us. All right. Well, let's, what about this, this Holy Spirit work of him? Let's turn, turn with me to Acts chapter 8. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I want you to see what the Scripture says about this. If you know the kind of the, the flow of the timing of this, right there, the Holy Spirit had come. We know that after the praying for the healing and signs and wonders, over 3,000 was added to the church in one day, right, when they, when they was the healing for the guy, the crippled man. We know that they refused to bow to all the warnings and push back from all the religious spirits. We're going to be bold and we're going to go, well, then all of a sudden, persecution comes. Many believe that they needed to scatter the church out of their little nesting place in Jerusalem. So the persecution comes, and there was a guy named Philip who used to work in their House of Mercy ministry in Acts chapter 6. He was the guy who took care of the cranky widows who were complaining about, I got, didn't get enough, and they got more than me. We, you know, not that we would ever have any of that here. Um, so they... Uh, 
Philip cuts his eye teeth as one of those people who, full of the Holy Spirit, and when the persecution comes, he decides to go to the place where the racists don't go. I'm going to Samaria. And while he's in Samaria, he's preaching the gospel. So not only are these Gentiles, but they're Samaritan Gentiles that the Jews have a lot of issues with. They're not like us, you know, they're this and that, okay. So Philip goes there. It's kind of like God loves to show up in the places where there's poverty and rejection and all that. We see it all the time overseas. Well, the crowds listened. This is in Acts chapter 8. The crowds listened eagerly to Philip. Miraculous signs. This is in verse 5. Crowds are 6. Crowds listened. Philip eager to hear the message. Miraculous signs that he did. Many evil spirits were cast out screaming as they left their victims. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. And the city was full of that great joy. There was a sorcerer there watching all this. And he's like, wow, this is the power of God. I want some of that power, right? Verse 12, the boys back in Jerusalem, the big guns, they hear that Philip is carrying the kingdom of God. There's miracles happening. And many men and women were being baptized. So they're being water baptized. So Simon Peter, Simon himself believed that he should be baptized. It's a sorcerer, the other Simon. Verse 14, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. Now, I want you to look at verse 15. As soon as they arrived, how important if the, uh, the apostolic leaders, the first thing, you come to a city that's on fire, they're starting, the first question they have is this. As soon as they arrive, they prayed for the new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Peter and John laid their hands on them, these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. So I want you to see, King James says it this way. Verse 16, for the, verse 16 it says, For yet the Holy Spirit was fallen on none of them. The Holy Spirit, has He ever fallen on you? You ever get knocked down by the weight of the Holy Spirit? Not that that's, you know, there's a lot of ways, but... Um, he will demonstrate with this power and authority. He says, well, he's such a gentleman. That's not been my experience, okay? If you know my story in the book, right? Yeah. It's, it's when, when the whole, we had, I had this prayer. I'm going to Brazil, God. I, I, can't, I can't be a pastor. I'd already resigned from General Electric. I'm here a year, and I read Mark 16. It says, these signs will follow them that believe. They'll cast out demons in my name. They'll heal the sick by laying hands on them. They'll handle deadly things without harm. I'm a believer, but I'm not seeing any of that stuff. So my prayer request is, I'm going to Brazil with Randy Clark. God, show me your power. I just, I just want to see your power. On the 17th floor of the hotel, before we go to the meeting at Agua Viva, my first experience, we don't know anything. We think we know, but we're going. We're with Randy, the big apostle, for healing. And he lays hands on me, and all I can tell you is power came up through the bottom of the floor, completely surged through my body. I got thrown back, landed on a chair, did a face plant, broke my titanium glasses that were unbreakable, 
did spins where the nurse that was there said he's, got a, he's having a grand mal seizure, spinning around on the rug, burn, rug burns here, ripped off skin here, ripped my knees, and then I hit the chair that this guy Tony Kimbrough was sitting in, bent the chair with the calf of my leg, which was now, and I'm like, and I, I looked up, and I said to my wife, take me drunk, I'm home, honey. And the guys picked me up, brought me down to my hotel room, and threw me in my bed. And for the next two hours, I'm like, what the heck? Ow, I can't see. My glasses are broken. I don't have a spare pair. They were 300 bucks. Now I can't see. I don't have any power. And I'm burned, and I'm like, I'm hurt. I'm like, we're going to the meeting. We're going to the meeting. I praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We're going to the meeting. Right? And Randy's there. I said, well, he'll cover for us, right? And I got Phil and my wife and Katie, and, and we're all novices. We don't know anything, but we're the ministry team. And we're on this stage, and worship is happening. And I'm like, when the Holy Spirit descended in that Brazilian, this is a so poor. I mean, so poor. They're outside. You talk about hunger. The windows are open, and they're flooded in the streets because they can't get in. They had to excuse people out of the room to get us into the church. And the worship's going on, and I'm crying. I'm like, oh, my God, I can feel the presence of God here. Oh, and I'm still hurt. I'm up on the stage, and we're worshiping. And all of a sudden, I start to feel that same power coming. I'm going, this is not a good place. The, the drums are there. Oh, my God. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit spoke my first word of knowledge. He says, I want you to pray for the terminally ill right now. And I'm like, I think that's one of those words of knowledge that rain time. Randy, God just said, I think, it's one of those words of knowledge. God wants to heal the terminally ill, the really sick. Stop the meeting. Stop the meeting, everybody. Pastor's got a word. All of you who are terminally ill and sick, go to the back room with his team. Here's his ministry team. They're from Wilmington. Go with them. I'm like, no, Randy, we don't know what we're, we don't know anything. I got to preach, Tom. Go. And all of a sudden, these people, probably 30, they looked like they were dying. There's no health care system there. There's nothing. It's like they were terminally, it was, and that's the, God showed up with his power. And there was a deliverance healing of a lame person who'd been crippled. Her name was Priscilla. And that was the start of the move of God in our presence here. He showed me his power. But I'm telling you what, when he comes with power, it's like, the next day, I'm somewhere in San Paulo trying to find another pair of glasses so I can see, right? All right. I want you to see in Acts chapter 8, has he fallen on you yet? Because here were people, well, I believe in God. Didn't I get the Holy Spirit when I believed? Yes, you did. But you're a tripart being. You're a three-part being also. And your spirit man, when you pray that prayer, come Holy Ghost, I receive you. Romans 10, 9, I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved right? It's by that grace. And that Spirit of God comes in and He indwells your spirit. And you are forever marked. But what about my soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions? If you're sitting here and you're still tormented in your flesh, guess what? You need the Holy Ghost to take on that soul realm, right? That's why he made such an important, he says, look, here's Acts chapter 8. Those people believed. They were water baptized, but they did not have the Holy Spirit yet. Look at Acts chapter 19. Look at Acts 19. Now we got Paul. He goes to Ephesus. Remember the church that's in, no, he's in Corinth. It says, Paul goes to Corinth and says, the first question, Apollos was in Corinth. Oh, yeah, he does travel. Paul travels to Ephesus, the interior. And when he gets there, he finds several believers. 
King James says he finds 12 Greek brothers. <laughs> so he's there. He says, I want you to emphasize, these are believers. Paul travels to the interior at Ephesus. The first question he asks, it's like, so how's the church doing? How's your finances? How's the planting? How's the... No. This is pretty important. If it's, again, you saw it in Acts 4, now you see it again. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, the denominational church and so on says, hey, wait a minute, that's like, how do you dismiss this? You can be a believer and not be empowered by the baptisms that we saw in Hebrews chapter 6. They replied to John. He said, they, they replied, well, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. Verse 3, well, what baptism did you experience? See, this thing is not a head knowledge. This is an experience. You might have all great theology, but if you've not experienced the power, when it comes, you'll know it, and you'll be different, right? They replied, "When we haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. What did you experience? We, re we experienced the baptism of John. Paul said, yep, John's baptism was for repentance. Remember, you died to self when you go under the water. John himself and the people that believed as soon as, verse 5, as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied, 12 and all. So I want you to see, number, look at number, that's number 2. We read number 3, where they asked the Father the Spirit. I want you to see, this is interesting, number 4, the baptism of the Holy Spirit came after salvation. Hello? I don't know what your experience is, but that's usually the experience. Sometimes they come together, right, side by side, but, but there's that place. Most of the time, it's a baptism after, and there are subsequent baptisms, which we read. But I want you to see this. Number five, Jesus and the disciples did not start their ministry until they were both water baptized and spirit baptized. Hello? I'm not going to spend a lot of time there, but it's here listed, Luke chapter 3 and 4. Remember, Jesus is now 30 years old. John is baptizing in the river. Jesus comes to him and he says, I'm not even worthy to do the sandals on your feet. You should baptize me, John says. And Jesus says, no, it must be so. And when Jesus goes under the water, it says literally in the Greek, Heaven was torn wide open. The Father spoke, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased, right? Listen to Him. And then it says, they saw like a dove something descending, the Holy Spirit descending and resting on Him. John knew from the prophetic words as, the, as, a, as a prophetic guy, he said, when I see the descending dove land on the one, that is the Messiah. Now, he happened to be the cousin of Jesus. We know that from the Scriptures. But now he says, Oh, this is the one. And it descends. And now you've got Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus is baptized. Immediately in Luke chapter 4, it says, Now Jesus, it says, Now filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit leads him into the, de into the desert to be tempted. Yeah. Now like, whoa, he didn't get tempted by the devil before that. He didn't start his ministry. I'm sure he did. Because he says he was tempted in all ways like us. But yet he never sinned. So we know you can't, you should not get involved in ministry or even start this thing until you've got some Holy Ghost on you. If it wasn't good enough for those disciples to get that and be in advance, they didn't, 
Man, we'd be crazy to start ministry without being filled with the power of God. You're going to get picked off. It's hard enough when you're full. <laughs> Hello. Right? Okay. Look, so Jesus didn't start. Look at number six. The fullness of the Holy Spirit came. And we know from Luke 4, Jesus was tempted and he won. He beat the devil on that. There are multiple baptisms. You saw that number seven in Hebrews 6. Number eight, salvation in Christ is not enough for a victorious life. Now, someone said, wait a minute, Pastor, you're fringing here. Salvation in Christ, if, if when we got saved, that was it, why didn't you just take us home there? Stop your heart and go home. No, he left you here to be a witness, right? You're going to be a witness to me, right? So we know that the powers come. You're going to, so he, the Holy Spirit is in you for you, for salvation, but he's on you for others. So we got this move of God that says, okay, we need the fullness of God to be able to do this. All right, I'm going to land this thing. Is it possible, look at number, number well, let's look at number eight. If the, the overcoming the devil in the flesh, why did the Father send the Spirit? Because he knew we were going to have to have it, right? Number nine, is it possible to grieve the Holy Spirit? Yes. Right, bring sorrow to. Right, is it possible to quench the Holy Spirit? I've listed two scriptures there that talk about that, Ephesians 4.30 and 1 Thessalonians 5.19. So you are now, know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. So you're carrying the Holy Spirit in you. He wants to speak every day. And if we will position ourselves to continually be aware of His presence. I, I, I tried that yesterday. It's hard. There's so much distractions. There's, you know, this thing and that thing. I took my grandson to the batting cage, went to the, like, all the stuff going on in Humacray Park. I'm like, and then there's people cutting you off. It's like trying to stay in the presence, trying to stay in the presence, right? If we'll constantly, continually ask for the presence, then we can be guided by the Holy Spirit. And I realize this preach is real nice, but it's a walk. That's why he's a guide. That's why he sits there. The, the dove sits right here and speaks to us. If you know the teachings from Leif, right? Chair number one and chair number two. Chair number three. Chair number three, you're lost. <laughs> chair number two, you're a carnal Christian. <laughs> chair number one is like powerhouse Christian, right? And how come I can go right over here to chair number two, right? Somebody says something or does something, and then I got, whoa, I got to get back over here, right? The way we do this is to be continually aware of His presence. And it's a discipline. It's a persistence. It's being intentional. And so, is it possible, number 10, is it possible to miss the presence and be distracted? Yes. Remember in Genesis, we won't look this one up, but in Genesis 28, verse 16, remember where Jacob lays his head on a pillow rock? And he has a dream. He sees angels ascending and descending. He wakes up and he says, this is none other than the gateway of God. Angel activity. And he says, I didn't even know it. I've been in meetings where God is healing the blind. Deaf mutes, 10 of them, speaking. All of a sudden, the ascension of God falls. And there's people that don't feel anything. It's like, how do you... How do you be in a presence like that and so miss it? So consumed with selfish, self-centered activity that 
not aware of God's presence. And so I'm not trying to be critical, but there's this place, if we're going to walk this out, we've got to make ourselves positioned in a place where we turn off all the noise, turn off the distractions to the maximum we can. I realize I worked in the workaday world for many years, right? I see what's going on in the church, and it breaks my heart. This person, these people are not from our church, but I've been, received multiple, multiple phone calls in the last seven days. Marriages that are breaking up because one of the spouses went decided to sleep with somebody. Another marriage breaking up, they're doing drugs, they're expending all of their resources on drugs. These are people who profess to be Christians. And it's like, they don't, and they got little kids, and some of the kids are even tormented to the point they, the, I, can't, I can't go into details of that because I don't want to re- release anything here, but it just breaks my heart that if we can have access to the greatest of gift that gives us power, but yet we open doors to all the stuff, all the trappings that the enemy is laying before us that we, we think or he convinces us they're good. His, his strategy has never changed. In the garden, he says, the devil picks the one tree that you can't eat from. But God had told them, of all the trees, freely eat. The devil always tells you, yeah, but you can't have this. And we sit on the, we can't have that thing. And this rebellious heart. So let's, let's stand. I want to close out the worship again with uh, that Michael W. Smith I want to invite the, the ministry team if you'll come. Next week, we're going we're gonna to dive into the next page. I've, I've put two weeks on this, and I'm going to ask you, can I, can, can I give you a homework assignment? <laughs> I would like you to spend as much of this week that you're conscious of the presence of the Holy Spirit. We're going to ask right now that the Holy Spirit would come. We've already prayed. That actually was out of script. We, we, I was going to do this at the end, but the Lord just kind of led us right down that pathway. So those that already received the Holy Spirit, but if you would like fresh filling, all you got to do is ask, ask the Father right now where you're at. You just ask the Holy Spirit to come and ask the Father to send Him. It's the gift. But I'd like you to do this week Live as much as you possibly can, persistently aware of His presence. The dove is present. Listen to His voice. Listen to the voice of the Spirit of God and let Him guide your life. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, if you will take the steps that He's leading you in, you will find success. You may find battles, but you will find success. So Holy Spirit, we're your inviting you now. Father, we're just coming before you, and we're asking you in the name of your greatness, God, the Holy Spirit, just descend. Come to your people, Lord. Fill this house. Fill their families. Heal the marriages, Lord, in the name of Jesus. You are a worthy lamb.
he reigns. He rules and he reigns. ask you to release the power of your presence. Change us, God. Make us your witnesses. Make us the witnesses, God. You shall become my witnesses when the power and the fire of God has come upon you. Look for opportunities this week to share the gospel. There's going to be many opportunities. Tomorrow night, don't miss tomorrow night, 6 to 9, right here. Wednesday night, 6.30, right here, undercover. God, I thank you right now. Bless your people. In Jesus' name, have a great week, everybody. Thank you.